0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Take Talk Podcast. I'm Stephen O'Rourke, and as always, I'm with my co-host, Brett Whitefield, and Brett, it's official I'm scrapping saying the episode number we, Thank God. we were flirting we were flirting with the, like not knowing anymore and I, it's official I don't know hundred percent and we're getting to, we're just hitting the numbers are getting a little bit too high so we're scrapping it
0: yeah which is which is good it right? is
1: it is it means' we're, we're established
0: It also is a little suspect because like we technically work and we kind of do math for a living. And we can't even count to 20. But sometimes like,
1: it, sometimes it is just the easiest, like, things that can trip you up.
0: <laughs> I see other podcasts out there, Steve. They're, like, on episode 277. <laughs> I know. Episode 421. We can't even count to 20. We're like, ah, we lost count. Ah. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> listen, listen so like, that math brain power is used in other areas throughout the week that, like, yeah, on days on days like today when we're doing this is when I like when I turn that off for a second.
0: <laughs> that's that's such a good point because like on podcast days, like, I don't know if, if people out there know this, but men have like a quota of how many words they can say in a day before their brains melt. Right. <laughs> so podcast day, my especially because I usually have meetings after the pod. Right. My my word quota is gone by like noon, so when my <laughs> wife comes home for work and wants to talk my ear off, I'm just silent. Yeah, just and she, she's like, Oh, podcast day. I was like, Yeah, sorry.
1: It's like, I can take in for I can take in information, but you're not going to get much back from me.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I just give her this stoic look, like I'm just really, really deeply thinking about what she's saying. So, uh, which, which I am, but
1: so, Brett, we've you know, we just said we've done about 20, 21 podcasts.
0: What if I what, what? hold on now? We're gonna guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in the middle there. I it's either way. We're right around there. But that to say, we're still green. We're we're younger, yeah. right? Now, what would you do if like tomorrow Spotify called us and offered us 20 million dollars for us to launch this podcast on their network? <laughs> that would be insane, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, that would be nuts. You'd
1: be like, this isn't real. How in the world like like no, I, I don't think I can do that because I right. I have no experience in doing that. like oh I'm, not
0: me. I would say heck yes, that's oh, I mean, right you
1: would but in, I mean, <laughs> in the back of my head I'd be like I'd be like, I don't know how we got here, but this is you know what we're gonna run with it yeah. Well, the funny thing is is that that similar situation just happened this week. With,
0: oh God! I already know what you're gonna say.
1: <laughs> with Jim Irsay's um, deep, well deep thought out, non analytical based coaching search, the Colts decided they're going to hire Jeff Saturday, former center Jeff Saturday, to take on the position. Take on the position after um, you know. Frank Reich was fired after having a – he had a great playing career, but his coaching career leaves something to be desired. He has coached 36 football games. And, Brett, you're probably saying, well, 36 games at least, you know, he, that's like two seasons in the NFL. That is two seasons in the NFL, but it's also three seasons in high school coaches son's high, team or something three seasons in high school coaching I think it's like the like somewhere around the mid 100 ranked high, Georgia high school football team Jeff Saturday coached 36 games as their head coach from 20, 2017 to 2020 he went 2016 20 and 16 as a coach in high school and now he is a coach in the NFL. Because that makes sense, right?
0: <laughs> Steve, that's the best transition you've pulled off yet on the pod.
1: I, like, you, you're not here. You're talking
0: about being green. That was that was smooth as butter, brother.
1: When I when I said <laughs> when I when we were talking about the podcast number and I said established, I was like, this is it. I'm like, I found it. <laughs> I found my segue. I'm like this is it. It felt like it was wow. it was a real it was a real. I'm surprised you didn't see the light bulb turn on above my head as it happened.
0: It didn't hit me it didn't hit me until you said, "Well, we just saw this happen in the NFL." And I was like, "Oh no, I know what he's doing."
1: But yeah, like, that's that, excellent. But like that's kind of what it would be like. <sighs> like you and I like you've been you've appeared on podcasts before. I've Yep. I have not, but like, we're both pretty green into this,
0: like like,
1: we have, you know, we're continuing to hone in our craft and hopefully we'll, you know, we continue to grow and, you know, learn new things and that gets us to a level where we're, where, you know, we're much more established and we know, and we really have a night, like an idea of what we're doing and we feel confident in the direction of everything. I just like, but like that's like Jeff Satter. I mean, I just, I don't get it. I, it's, and it's and, I don't. it's, and it's especially cause it both goes that like, if we said that, like if that happened to us, there would be many other people that are like, hold on, we've been doing this for yeah 10 years and we have, you know, all of these accolades or whatever. And they didn't even like, we didn't even get a call about it. We didn't even right. get a chance. It's the same thing where there are so many established coaches that like are much more deserving of this, and here we are with Jim Irsay, you know, who is one of the more definitely one of the more interesting owners in the NFL, and just I mean, coming out and saying no, it's a good thing that he doesn't have all this experience; he's not bogged down by the analytics of it all.
0: Oh and, God!
1: Like, which again, it's just that's saying analytics has become like this weird tag to toss onto a coach that you can either, that like half, half of the media uses to praise them. And then like half of them don't. And then half the NFL is like, ah, it's those dang analytics guys. It's just,
0: (laughs) people don't even know what analytics are.
1: I know it's ridiculous at this point, but there's a whole
0: side rant about that. But
1: again, all this to say that, Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts and will be coaching the team this week who they also, they just, they just ha- announced that they're having, I can't remember his name, but they're a 30 year old coach. Who's never called plays before his call is going to be the offensive play caller for their team this week because they, have no one on the cat on the um, staff that has any experience calling plays in the NFL. Like this is just yeah. it just continues to be this hilarious hilarious mockery of like what's going on.
0: I mean, Steve, let's. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this. We can get to those, but like, let's just call a spade a spade. What the Colts are doing is is something we call tanking. it's pretty clear. Yeah, they don't care. Ursay does not care about any of this. The, the, The reality is, is he wants his team to lose the rest of the games so that they can draft the quarterback and they can stop playing QB roulette like they have been since the day Andrew Luck retired. I mean, they've had four different starters in four consecutive years. Yeah. To start the season. Obviously, there's been backups in there that have played as well. Ellinger being the guy right now. But this is a tank job, and it's a a clever way of doing it because it makes it look like you're trying with unorthodox methods, right? (laughs) So that that's
1: does it make it look like they're trying? uh, I mean,
0: (laughs) well, Ursa can sell it because he's well, he's not bogged down by the analytics. The analytics of what? He's never coached a game before. Like, (laughs) how are those analytics?
1: (laughs) He he used analytics because they haven't they haven't been able to crunch the numbers for all the high school teams yet so they don't have like (laughs) like of course yeah it's just so it's so funny it
0: it, i steve do you think that like because there was rumors saturday was out there not this past game but the week before for the ring of Honor celebration uh you you think like him and ursa were just kind of like shooting the crap and ursa was like man what do you think's going on and Saturday was just like, you know what? I think Frank Reich probably stinks and you should fire him. And then Ursay listened to him. It was like, hey, Jeff, I just fired Reich. Uh, do, do, do you think maybe you want to be the coach?
1: That Actually, it's funny because I <laughs> asked that question to my buddies the other day. It was like, it's like the chicken and the egg situation. It's like, which came which came first? Did Jeff Saturday apply for this position? Or did Jim Ursay just call him up and say like, hey, you want this? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah,
0: of course. Yeah. I fired my coach because you. You have to do it, Jeff.
1: Right. There is no yes or no. <laughs> take you're doing take it. my
0: take my money, Jeff. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so here is a question I have. Um, because they named didn't they technically name him interim head coach or did he get?
1: That's that is the. How is that?
0: How is that legal though? Like, <laughs> how do you just name a guy interim head coach when he wasn't like? You know, so you can just from now on name anybody interim head coach.
1: That and then, like, like, it sounds like it. Like, could if the lions, if the lions had hired Dan Campbell, could they just like slapped interim head coach? Was that actually? Right. Is Jim Ursay actually doing like a thi- like? Is this the evo- like the next evolution of things? Is like if you just introduce coaches as interim, it buys you more time because people are like, well, he's not a real head coach yet; he's still the interim head coach. What we well, we well, Irsay's
0: the owner; he doesn't need time, but.
1: Yeah, but like, but yeah, before he, he needs time before like fan base turns on. I mean,
0: so, so what is this though? Is this a trial? Like, are they letting Saturday audition for this job long term, or is this just a, hey, dude, we we need you to finish the tank job that we're trying to pull off. That, like, what, like, what is it? I don't even like. These are all
1: great questions. I mean, if you go by how Ursay was speaking in the press conference, like it sounds like it's more of a law. Like, this is not just like a end of this. Like, we'll see what happens at the end of the season kind of thing. Like the way he was talking about him, he like, he was justified. It sounded like he was justifying the hire beyond this year. Cause like, Oh, weird. Cause like, wouldn't that be, I mean, you'd still get flack for it, but like, if that was your plan, I mean, you can't, I'm sure you can't just outright come out and say you're tanking, but like, wouldn't it be like, hey, we have had discussions with Jeff, and you know, we feel like he has a vision for this, but we want to see where he's at at the end of the season, and we'll reevaluate that. Like, wouldn't like, wouldn't you say that then, if that was kind of the case? <laughs> of like, we just we need, I yeah. like, I don't know, it's it's all bizarre. And I don't like. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this.
0: Yeah, I don't. I really don't know either, man. Oh man. But,
1: like the moves, it's all... weird. The... the moves all make sense now, though.
0: Yeah. Well, the fascinating thing about this, to me, Steve, is it sounds like, Bal Chris Ballard is is in the clear. Right, and he and they're going to retain him, which is insane. Like, what that tells me is is Reich or I'm sorry, Ballard was successfully able to to um, convince Ursa that all these QB decisions were, were Reich's and Reich's alone.
1: Right, which he, there's, I mean, there's rumors that you know, I mean, not really rumors, but like that's always kind of been the feeling for the most part.
0: Yeah, your head coach probably should pick your quarterback, especially if it's not a draft pick. Like, if it's just, hey, we need you to pick – like, we need to bring in a quarterback. Who are you comfortable working with? Right. Well, yeah, you probably let your head coach have a lot of say in that. I mean, right. not probably. It's pretty pretty well-known fact. I mean, yeah. the Wentz one obviously was Reich.
1: Yeah, that 100% was. And I think – like, Mara. I don't – actually, I don't think the Rivers one was Reich. Right.
0: That Rivers, they didn't really have a lot of options. They paid Rivers like twenty five million for that season, though. By the way, <laughs> which is pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. But so Ballard, though, I mean, we've talked about this on the pod, Steve. Like regimes, I say regimes, because it's not just head coach; it's not just GM. But the combination of the two together, they typically get two decisions at quarterback before they're put to the hot seat. Right. So to see one get fired and not the other one is strange, especially when they've made like four QB decisions together. Right. as as a As a collective, um, the roster's been pretty good over the years, but they have never been able to get it over the hump. Part of that is QB, of course, but like that offensive line was one of the best in the league two years ago, and now right. it's like it's literally terrible. Deteriorating. You you go through Ballard's draft history too. He's made some okay picks, like. Obviously Quentin Nelson was a great pick, but like that was a slam dunk. Like yeah. he, that fell into his lap. He picked the best player in that class he, at six overall. You do that every time.
1: Yeah, he was in like he was a no brainer pick at the time. Or at least he was a but, no he was a no brainer prospect of like whether he's gonna, you know, make it produce at the next level.
0: Actually, let's just do that real quick. Let's go through his draft history. 2017 was his first draft. I don't think a single player from that draft class is still on the team. Actually, no, there isn't one. Marlon Mack was the last. He gone. So, obviously, those didn't work out. Who 2018. Your,
1: who was their first round pick that year? Willie Cooker. Yep. he's.
0: Der, Quincy Wilson was a bust as well. Corner from Florida. Second round pick. Terrell Basham, third round pick. I don't even think he made it out of camp that year, did he?
1: I he I mean, he bounced around up until really like this, like this year or last year with Buffalo.
0: Yeah. No, that's a different Basham.
1: A different Basham, okay.
0: That's Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham. Um. Yeah. So that year just not good. The next year they had the, that was the Nelson, Shaq, do, Leonard, they, oh, Braden do, Smith um, year.
1: They do still have Grover Stewart. Oh, do they really? Oh yeah he's a he's a monster okay. in the middle this year. He's played really he's played really well this year.
0: I mean, he's got six and a half career sacks in five seasons. It's, a, I mean, it's okay.
1: I mean, he's a it's
0: okay.
1: His at least in yeah, the last he's... like two years, his claim to fame has been just plugging the run game.
0: Yeah. Next year, Quentin Nelson, uh, Shaq, A.K.A. Darius Leonard, Braden Smith were good to start the draft, but then it got bad. They, still, they had th- four second round picks that year. The other two were used on Kimoko Ture, who is. Um, no longer with the team. And then Taekwon Lewis, who's like a big end. He's a D de- I mean, he's an okay functional player, but he's not special. Yeah. You definitely want more out of a second round pick next year. More bad. Rocky Sin, gone. Ben Banigou. I think he's still with the team, but he's, he's an edge defender. and He's got like two career sacks. Paris Campbell. Fight. Obviously injuries.
1: Finally is seeing the field and producing a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a little bit. He's still, you know, this is his fourth year and he's he has less than 700 yards receiving in his career. Right. Bobby Okarike, decent player. Curry Willis, decent player. Other than still just not, not very, no bang for buck though. Um, Pittman, the next year was their first, not a first round pick, but he was their first pick in the second round. Jonathan Taylor, um, Good player, obviously, after that. Julian Blackman, pretty good. Eason no longer with the team. Danny Pinter, I don't I don't think he's with the team either, right?
1: I don't think so, no.
0: Yeah. So again, just kind of weird. One thing I do love about Ballard though is he has prioritized like impact positions. I will say that. Every year he's drafting wide receivers, edge defenders. Yes. Um, defensive backs like he gets he gets it and they haven't really been in a position to draft a quarterback because they've been picking too late right so I'll give him a little credit his draft has been it's been okay he's had the right ideas it just hasn't necessarily worked out
1: and I mean he's kind of just lived off of really it's all of his claim to fame and all of that is really living off of that 2018 draft
0: Done. Is that the yeah the Nelson year? The yep. Nelson,
1: Darius Leonard, Braden Smith.
0: Yeah, Naheem Hines is in there too. Like I think, so. like
1: he kind of lived off of that one, or in all of his lore of everything was off of that draft. After that, like you said, it's nothing. It's not a draft history that you say like we need to keep this guy around.
0: Yeah. Actually, this is crazy. You guess what draft pick of his has played in the most NFL games?
1: What draft pick of his? Is it Isaiah Rogers? Yes. No. <laughs> um, I just, I was just like that. Might, honestly,
0: might be. He was a seventh round pick in that 2018 class.
1: Oh, zaire Franklin. Yeah. Yeah, that was that. He's actually, put- that actually was a pretty good pick. He. um, He's still he's still in there at last he's bat. starting this year, yeah, he's started for a while and
0: he's, he's been a special teams guy for them too, but all this to say is it, I just find it surprising that they they canned Reich in the middle of the season and and then they're openly saying Ballard's safe there's just obviously there must have been some disconnect there with Reich where Ballard was able to convince Ursay it was all their issues were were Reich and not him and. Just give me a new head coach, and I'll be good to go. So, they picked Jeff Saturday. Makes sense. Yeah, of
1: course. Makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I like – it'll be – I mean, at this rate, they'll definitively not – probably not win a game the rest of the year, or maybe maybe they'll pull one out. Like, that team – like, they lost 26-3 to last week to the New England Patriots, and at no point was – was Indianapolis like ever really competitive their defense played well their defense played well but the offense had there was nothing there like they they were not producing anything at all and I don't see that really changing that much because Sam Allen Sam Ellinger is not I mean unfortunately he's just not an NFL starting quarterback
0: yeah, of the remaining games, they basically have three that are I would consider losable. Texans. I mean losable as in they win. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh Texans Texans to end the season. Raiders this week. Um, and then what do they have? The Steelers, week twelve. Everything every other team they play has at least five wins right now. Or and a lot of them are six and two. They play be- the Eagles.
1: It would be very fitting for this year and just for everything if <laughs> if Indianapolis did somehow beat Las Vegas this week. But, like, I mean, again, but think about it. Like, they have a play caller who's never called plays in the NFL before. And before this, or, like, before getting promoted to offensive play caller, I'm pretty sure it was just a special teams coach. Really? I mean, he's thirty years old. He can't have that much experience.
0: What? Who is this? Is it uh, Bubba Ventrone? Hold on, I gotta
1: pull it up again because I forgot his name. Because
0: they don't, they don't list an offensive coordinator no, on the his, site.
1: His name is Parks Frazier. Okay, he was, um, he was the pass game specialist slash assistant quarterbacks coach. For the for the Colts, and he just he will be the play caller against the Raiders on Sunday. I don't even
0: see this guy on there. Oh, I see him now. Hmm. It's either gonna be really good or really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. This kid's like, we're, he's either gonna go from being talked about as like, you know, all right, we <laughs> it went about as we expected, or it's gonna be like he's next in line for. <laughs> He's getting looked at for for offensive coordinator jobs. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just isn't that how
0: Jim, Jim Bob Cooter kind of had a similar rise, didn't he? Where like he came out of nowhere and was all of a sudden calling plays for an NFL team.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like very similar. Was a quarterbacks coach. Um, yeah, kind of shoot
0: Ben Johnson in Detroit, kind of the same thing.
1: True, like so. sh- like shared or was working with Cam. Well. Yeah, shared slash working with Campbell, uh, last half of last year. Yep. And so like that, but but again, like at least Campbell was like working with it, and Jim Bob Cooter was he calling? He was calling plays. His first time calling plays was in Detroit. So at least, yeah. So at least he had called well there. Who had had who has had extensive True. offensive experience in the NFL. Parks Fraser has. Jeff Saturday who I mean, so, I mean commanded an NFL offense in a little bit as a center like he kind of worked in tandem with Peyton they had a very good relationship but um it, it does definitely doesn't have any experience developing offensive schemes against opponents every week
0: Jeff Saturday and Parks Fraser sounds like like a cast of a sitcom.
1: It sounds like a buddy comedy. Like, if, yeah. Like I bet you could, you could probably go to someone and say like, Oh yeah. The characters and stepbrothers, parks, Frazier and Jeff Saturday. And they'd be like, I think that yeah. was who it was. Right. That was a name. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's Joey Tribbiani and Chandler Bing. Yeah. just like, Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza. Just, yeah. Just, it's, like, it's just park, parks, Frazier and Jeff Saturday. Just, just,
1: and like, again, a glare, kind of a glaring issue, but it's just two it's two white guy names. Say it how it is. <laughs> oh like it's two very like white guy names, which again is another whole issue with this entire thing. Because for the NFL, who's you know preached diversity and all this and coaching, to have something like this happen is it's not a good look. It doesn't look good for USA. It doesn't look good for the NFL. It's a little disappointing in that respect too. That you know for guys that have spent spent their life you know toiling away and trying to get to this position to see a guy like Jeff Saturday and a kid like Parks Frazier get like these opportunities that a lot of guys have been waiting and working for for years is unfortunately it's just unfortunate yeah like, i mean like, wave, like in that respect too but
0: well, I mean, one, I was, I was wondering, that's why I made the comment about the interim tag. Cause like, does that right. mean they get to sidestep Rooney regulations and stuff like that? But to be fair to Jeff Saturday, this, it, nothing we're saying means he's not qualified for the job. We honestly don't know. That's the thing. We just don't know. We don't, I don't know anything about Jeff's football IQ. I don't, right. I don't know if he's, right. maybe he's been you know preparing for this moment for a while we have like we honestly have no idea so right. this is yeah that's um, true
1: it's true it's just bizarre yeah. having had zero nfl coaching mm-hmm. experience whatsoever for sure that ha- for I mean, sure. that has to be i mean no college coaching experience either
0: yeah exactly it's got to be a first. Um, it's
1: got to be a first and i'm it, i'd be feel pretty confident in saying it might be the last time we see that
0: <laughs> yeah i know that like in nfl circles it seems like players really do well with these types of guys though former players just you know true um so i wonder if maybe like i'm just reading way too much into it but maybe they're having some locker room issues i don't know maybe just there wasn't their level of respect for for the staff that they felt like they needed to get from these players so You bring in a former player like they immediately have to, especially because he's borderline Hall of Famer, right? I mean, Jeff Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I would say he's he's a ring of honor guy for the Colts. Yeah, so, um, you know, maybe it buys them some some respect and and kind of helps them get a better look at the roster that way. I'm not really sure, but there has to be something to that. I feel like that led Ursa to this decision. But Ursa, will also Ursa. So
1: yes, he will. Let's move on though. Yep. Let's I was just I was just thinking. I, of the thing.
0: I wanted to talk a bit about Justin Fields. Um this week the Chicago Bears they played a, a really competitive game against the Miami Dolphins and they end up losing that game uh by a score of 35 to 32. And My, I was like watching the, I didn't do that game live, but as I, you know, got into charting it and some other things, I, various things stuck out to me that were, I thought were impressive. And I ended up deciding, you know what? I need to go back and actually do a, a snap for snap evaluation of this offense as a whole of Justin Fields. And I came away really, really impressed for the first time in Justin Fields tenure in Chicago. I I thought as a collective, they were all on the same page there. So fields looked good to me. The, the play calling though, Steve actually supported him for the first time. It, it was, it was nice. And I feel like what happened is the Chicago bears have looked at what the Philadelphia Eagles have done with Jalen hurts. They've looked at what the Miami dolphins have done with, with Tua. And they, they're trying to mimic some of those things. Now, it's not the same. Like, Fields doesn't have Waddle and Hill. We know that. But there's still some things they can take away from that quick passing game that can really help Fields. Hertz, you know, has a lot better weapons as well. But there are some things that you can take from that playbook that is really helping Hertz be successful. Yeah. And they finally applied those things this week. And I was very impressed from top to bottom. And honestly, like, if. Um, Equinamia-St. Brown doesn't drop a fourth down catch or yeah. fourth down pass to end that game. There's a really good chance the Bears walk out of there with a, a win. Yeah. Or at least force that thing to overtime. I'm against a pretty impressive opponent. So I think things are looking good for the Bears. But uh, I don't know, Steve, what was your general – I, w- I want to get into the X's and O's of it as well, So, but I, I want to get your take first. What, what did you think when you watched that game?
1: Yeah, so um, I definitely thought that, like you said – They finally curated an entire game of play calling, just geared to make to for it to work for him. Like they had been flirting with it the kind of the last couple weeks, where they were starting to do a little bit more of you know putting him in motion, rollouts, things like that, design quarterback runs. They were starting to flirt with it a little bit the last couple weeks, but this week, like you said, it really did feel like it finally. They went, they committed, they went all in and they wanted to make it work for him. And I mean, he, yep. like he, like his numbers, he was 17 for 28, uh, 123 yards and three touchdowns through the air seven. And then on the ground, he had 178 rushing yards. Um, but there, I mean, he had a couple deep balls that were almost completed. I think it wasn't there one right at the end of the game the what the play before, the equanimity of Saint Brown, um, cat or drop, wasn't there a deep ball to Claypool that you could argue was could have been called pass interference? Am I remembering. that Oh yeah, that
0: Claypool was getting hugged around the waist. Yes,
1: that was it. It was it was a monster mm-hmm. throw and it was right on the money.
0: And Claypool, it was it was a little underthrown to be li- fair, but and that's what that's why Claypool got drugged down actually because he had to turn around all the way to catch it. Right. But still, I mean, this is what you're seeing in the NFL now. Guys are thrown deep, and they, they're they willing to underthrow the ball to get those pass interference penalties, and Fields just didn't get one on that right, play. So. Right, um, So,
1: like, yeah, two plays in a row where he, you know, had put his team in a position where they could have gotten into – or gotten into field goal position and at least tied the game. Yep. But, again, all that to say that, like – he just looked in control. He looked comfortable. It looked cohesive. Everybody was, it seemed like everybody was on the same page working toward the same goal. And it was, it was exciting because this is what, this is the explosiveness that everybody has been kind of waiting for. And like, we've seen like small peaks of here and there with him. Like it finally all came together for a game where he, he can be a game breaker, and it, it, like his legs are an extremely useful asset. He is such a powerful runner. He looks so fluid when he runs.
0: For his size, he's, he's yeah. insanely fluid and, he, I mean, and fast, he, 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 freaking I, fast. I
1: think I think he finished with like three of the top five um, like recorded speeds uh, by Next Gen Stats this week. Wow. Like, that's crazy for a quarterback. Like, on one of his long runs, like, his ability to turn the corner on guys when you think, like, when it and just kind of destroy an angle, like, is incredible.
0: Yep. Yeah. And one of the things we literally are always talking about on this podcast, especially when it comes to some of these newer offenses that have figured out how to maximize their QBs that might be limited in some regards is putting the defense in conflict. And I've always wondered why the Chicago Bears don't do this more, but they did it this week. They came out with a game plan, and their goal on every single snap, Steve, was to put the defense in conflict. Yes. Whether it was, you know, a really robust screen game, they run run a ton of RPOs, a ton of read read option tags on almost every run, some really nice design trick plays. I don't know if you saw the Cole Komet, uh, little end around jet sweep they did with him yep really nice Which the I the like, cool commit.
1: i i like that play because it's so many offenses use that motion now to yeah. set up like um the a split a split block, a split block on, yeah. on a zone on a zone play and like so many i mean it, i get it it's a tight end but like it has been, like not only have they put on tape but like they've had the rest of the NFL put on tape that like Nobody hands it off to him, like like it's in play and it's an option, but like it never happens because it's a tight end and it's like it's such a smart wrinkle to throw in because you have the rest of the NFL giving you the giving tape to defense for that too.
0: the The only other team I remember doing that is the Baltimore Ravens. Actually, Kelsey's ran that play a couple times too, but other than that, the Baltimore Ravens have done it a few times with Andrews over the years. They did it with Hayden Hurst. When he was there, do you remember when Hurst was a Raven? Yep, they drafted those guys the same year. Actually, they ran. Now Hurst isn't nearly as athletic as Komet or Andrews, but um, you know they would run that little that little jet pop with uh, with Hayden Hurst. That's right. the only other time I remember people doing that. I, I thought it was brilliant, though. I loved bringing him right back into into playing Wildcat to get that first down. Yeah, on the very next play, he comes up and takes a QB sneak. Cole Komet, that is not Fields. Um, but all, they added a bunch of sprint outs and boots, and just every single play had the intention of we are going to force you into conflict, whether it's play action or even they were running speed option. Like you don't see that yeah, in the NFL a ton. It's not. That's you know, and, and not a lot of these plays. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes they go for two or three yards. But the point of the matter is you're you're putting things into the defense's mind. That's going to make them think down in and down out that wouldn't have made them think before. Right. So now when you give them a look, they're contemplating between two different things. Um, And it was especially effective considering the dolphins love the flood line of scrimmage. They didn't play hardly any too high in this game. Maybe what I can probably look it up really quick. Yes. Two, two snaps of too high coverage this entire game, everything else was single high or zero. They ran a lot of zero. Um, so they love the full line of scrimmage. So yeah. putting de- the defense in conflict is even more important, right? Because the Chicago, they loves, love to run the ball. Yep. And the, they wanted to emphasize the short passing game. Well, if you've got six, seven, eight defenders right in the box, you're not going to be able to hit the short passes. You're not going to be able to run the football unless you do something special. And I felt like it was special. Fields made some really good throws in this game, and especially on the run. Yeah. Um, they they were running just straight sprint outs like no play action just get the ball and sprint. He delivered some money throws. It was working. I don't know why they went away from it actually. And he has a, um, like
1: he has a cannon of an arm. Oh, cannon! Which like you've seen you've seen Kansas City do it more often this year too. They with Mahomes they do a lot of those sprint outs this year as well. I've no yeah. like you know and it's because Mahomes is so good at throwing on the run and he has a cannon and can fit it into tight spaces. Justin Fields is I mean he's not. Totally, Mahomesian, but he has the arm strength and the speed to like utilize those sprint outs in a way that like maybe three quarterbacks can really do it at the level yes. that they can.
0: I love, I love the sprint outs with the combo of um, play side boundary out route and yeah. backside crosser route. Yes, it's because it the sprint out. What it does for for those listening is it changes the angle of delivery that the ball comes in. So the separation needed to complete that out route is totally different if he was in the pocket. Yes, because because the, the ball it's almost like throwing to your buddy in the street. You know, you're literally just throwing a pass that's right in front of you at that point. Right. It com- it completely breaks the cornerback's angle on the play where he would traditionally be in that passing lane, but he's not anymore because you you created you changed it with the sprint out. Same with that deep crosser. Yeah. Where the that that linebacker might be or or safety might be hinging on that that deep cross. Well now, because the sprint out, you're actually created a different throwing window and it's, it allows the guys to get separation, even though they might not have normally had separation. Now you can't run on every play. Traditionally, the NFL does not like running those types of plays because they become half field reads only. Yep. And you're, you're limiting your options. And so it basically turns into either. I hit this guy for a quick first down or I'm forced to run or throw the ball away. Yeah. So that's why you don't see a lot of teams running, but when you have freaks, like, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen and uh, Justin Fields, it's that's a great play to run. I've seen the Eagles do it with Hurts this year as well, very effective. Um the thing with Fields that we you and I have talked about too is he struggles post snap reading coverages. This isn't um this is not a personality flaw or anything like that. We see this from co- college QBs coming to the NFL all the time because the college game is so different because you're not they're not really taught to read coverages post snap in, in college, so that whole like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, we haven't seen enough of Lance to really know, but all four of those guys struggle with the same thing. They're a little bit slow processing. Fields has definitely struggled with it this year, and by putting giving him this repertoire and this playbook of constant conflict in one read, he's literally making one read on a lot of these plays. Yeah. It's It really simplifies it for him a little bit. And guess what we're doing now? We're building his confidence. So now when he does have to read the coverage and let it rip on a timed go ball, it looks a lot prettier than it looked earlier in the season.
1: Right. And, by the uh, way,
0: did you see the throw in the fourth quarter where he missed Cole Komet by a foot over the middle? I mean, Komet was like in triple – like he was – Guys draped all over him, and Fields almost—he almost fit the ball in perfectly. It would have been a massive play in that game, but um, Fields wasn't attempting that throw though early in the year. He no. didn't have the confidence, and now he's just letting it rip. Like he—he's starting to feel it. And um, like,
1: also, like you said, I—it's—it's it's the early like if you look at their first, let's see, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Their first ten throws with uh, fields. You have two hitches, five screens, two go routes, and yep. a drag and a flat route. Our first eleven passes. Like all yeah, and that, that flat out. route was off.
0: It was a play action boot, right. The other way too, right. Underneath. So
1: like all confidence building passes, mm-hmm. like which you know, that's what it is for fields right now is it is developing that confidence because he hasn't had that week over week because I mean, there's been no consistency in the offensive play calling last year was a mess. Like they're finally understanding that we need, like we need to get to a point of like just continuing to just get him comfortable with completing passes. And then we can build on top of that. We can start to, you know, do more difficult concepts or at least like more more complicated route trees, things like that. By just starting with the hitches, the go routes, the screens, the easy. For sure. Not not that go routes are necessarily easy to throw, but like, I mean, for a guy like him with arm arm strength like that, like a go route is a comfortable throw for him.
0: Yep. Yep. And, (laughs) The last last thing I just absolutely loved is they were... they. It's like it finally clicked for them that this guy has Lamar Jackson potential with his legs. But he's a... Guess what, Steve? He's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So and we, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do. Imagine what Fields can do if they get the play calling right. But man, just a lot of their, their play designs this week, they had a bunch of designed QB runs yep. that were inverted concepts. So the run blocking was for him. Right. It wasn't for the running back. The running back is part of the read still, but he might have a one man blocking scheme for him out on the edge where Fields, you know, is getting basically the the bulk of the the blockers for him. These inverted looks, you know, whether it's counter bash or even just straight up some they had some out, outside zone inverted type looks, that stuff is going to be huge for that offense. Because he can move the ball that way. He's right. he's a very effective runner. So definitely loved what I saw. And it makes the – you know, we'll get to this in a little bit, but it makes the NFC picture interesting. Because I know the Bears are sitting at three and six, but and they're not even really trying to win. But they, they might play spoiler down the stretch, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because um, I think it's possible their best offensive football is ahead of them. Um, and they've got a really nice opponent this week in the Lions. So –
1: well, yeah, who traditionally, I mean, in my lifetime, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen them defend a running quarterback well. No matter who the defensive coordinator is, no matter who the head coach is, I feel like it's always been like when a running quarterback comes to town or they go see one of the uh, running quarterback, like, good luck because – Yep. And the I mean cuz it is the Lions this year have played a lot of man, a lot of single high safety, a lot of cover 0. Like which that's exactly like that's exactly what Chicago wants. Cuz that makes their li- their lives of game planning just a little bit easier because then it's like, yeah, if you see if you see a bunch of backs turn to you, go. Like don't like don't force it. Like use your legs.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure in a perfect world, Chicago would love if Detroit sat back and played too high, <laughs> so so they could run the ball with Montgomery and Herbert. But right, they'll they'll take you know cover one and cover zero to get fields going as well. So, um, yeah, I know it seems like the lines have been kind of changing, playing a little bit more too high the last couple weeks, but. I actually, I think against um, the Packers, they played primarily zone, if I'm not mistaken. So,
1: Which, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd, it'll be interesting to see another team that, you know, even though the Packers aren't good, but now went from, because of the NFC picture, like went from, you know, this season's loss to like, wait a minute, two games out, of, like you're, you're two games out of the wild card. Like this isn't that crazy. Yeah. That's how crazy the NFC is, is that, you know, all it takes is getting to two wins and giving yourself a little bit of confidence right now to get, yeah, two or three wins, get yourself a little bit of confidence, and all of a sudden, like, you can convince yourself that the, the team can make a, a playoff push. Whether they can yep. or not, that's a whole other issue, but, like, it at least, like, it's so wide open that you can convince yourself of it.
0: Yeah, unrelated. So, the Lions, weeks... Basically, until their bye week, they were second in how often they played man coverage. Uh, sounds about and right. And since since their bye week, they are down like middle of the pack. So they've completely flipped their philosophy there, yeah. which obviously yeah. anyone with a brain could see that needed to happen. Yes. <laughs> so, like, um,
1: literally anybody who's ever watched, who's watched four snaps. All they have to do is watch a drive. Yep. And they... That's that's like every that should be everybody's takeaway.
0: That said, though zone or man, I still think Fields has his way with his feet in this game. Yes, especially though those RPOs are they're going to screw with the Lions pretty badly. So
1: I mean, that's like the, honestly, the Bears. I mean, again, they've, they're the Lions are playing more zone, but the Bears just have to go to Week One and watch the tape that the Philadelphia Eagles put out against the Lions.
0: And yep. just kind of copy and the, the dolphins,
1: yeah. Just kind of copy that game plan of, hey, you can do single field reads of RPOs, and just like you said, like you said, just putting defense in conflict.
0: And the Seahawks. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just just Any, naming all of them. Those, say, those anyone, three teams.
1: Anyone from the beginning of the season against them. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Fields has a chance to build on this week, and the, like you said, they. They are one and four in one score games this year. Like this is a se- This is a season that you know, save for a couple of plays, which we can like the one score thing. I feel like a lot of games are one score games now. There aren't as many blowouts, so like the one score regression and things like that. And like at least from just like the naked eye, the naked eye seems to be kind of like losing its point a little bit. But like the Bears are one and four and. All that to say the Bears are 1 and 4 in one-score games this year and so like you can make the argument of they're a couple plays away from being like 5 and 4 right now. Yeah. And like now with an with an offense and a quarterback that seems to, that seem to be clicking and seem to be moving in the direction now that like Justin Fields is a guy that can that can make a play that can flip a one-score game. Like he's a game breaker that can just do that with his legs, with his arm. Now it's just a matter of the coaching staff continuing to put him in a position to succeed because he like, he isn't there yet where he's doing full field reads and he's probably not there yet where, you know, he's dictating the offense fully. Like it starts with the coaching staff and that's like, I, I think he can get there, but it's year two. And he's with, he's with his second offensive coordinator. Like he, it's going to take some time to get to that point, but his coaching staff, showed signs that they like they had been showing signs that they were getting it. And it felt like this was the game where it all clicked and they fully realized what they have in Justin Fields and how to utilize someone who isn't a very, like a very special talent in the NFL, a guy that stands out like amongst all the world-class athletes that are out there.
0: Yep. Uh, well, let's do this then, Steve. Let's, um, so before we, we get off here, I wanted to talk. We're like halfway through the season officially. Yep. I want to talk a little bit about the playoff picture. And specifically, Steve, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Vikings. We spent a lot of time on the pod already talking about them and we, the yeah. past few weeks. Even Titans and Ravens. We spent a good amount of time. But let's talk about those teams that they're in the mix. Let's talk about who we think is going to probably make the playoffs for sure. Whose season is over as well. We can get into that a little yes. bit too. Um, the NFC is interesting because there are, see, one, two, three, four, five, three win teams. And so it feels like it's easy to say, Hey, the Arizona Cardinals season is over. The Bears' season is over, but if you say that about them, then that means you have to say that about the Rams and the saints and the Packers. And it's like, huh? Are we willing to go that far
1: again? They're like, the wild card, the the seven seed wild card in the NFC is the 49ers at four and four. Like yep. even Carol like Carolina and the and lot Detroit at two wins. Both of them have two wins. Like not fully out of it. Like they still like they're yeah. still only two two and a half games out.
0: That's kind of. <laughs> That's kind of wild. Like it's crazy.
1: I like like this season in the NFC, it, the AFC has you're starting to see like the water and the oil settle in the glass. Yeah. It's starting to fully separate. You can see the line of division between like the two tiers in the NFC. It's just a hodgepodge of whatever. <laughs> after <laughs> yep. like after the top, the like upper elite teams, it's just like a it's just a mishmash of middling teams that all have a chance to, uh, all have a chance to still be in it and still get in.
0: Yeah, wh- man, it, it really is crazy because if I told you the Buccaneers at four and five were leading the that division, that'd be wild. F- like no one would believe that. Right. Like Tom Brady is in the playoffs as of right now. Which, as rough as a season as they've had
1: which like if you haven't watched games you're like yeah of course if you have paid attention it's like how right the Bucs I mean the bucks have been an absolute mess this year
0: the crazy thing though is Steve is like say the Falcons go on a tear and and end up taking command of that division that still doesn't eliminate the buccaneers from contention because the seven seed is in a bad spot right now with the 49ers at four and four like they're right. they're still competitive Right. Like that 7 seed could l- literally go to anybody at this point.
1: And it's crazy how that 7 seed the difference in um draft pick, draft position as well could be like huge for a team True. that like, you know, if they make the playoffs at you know, whatever 8, 9 wins, you know, they lose three, potentially like 3 to 4 um, spots in the draft,
0: yeah, they could lose. I think they could lose actually more than that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean potentially because the AFC, like the AFC, they're. I mean, granted, they're no, they're seven seeds at five and three. So, like the AFC, after that, you have two other teams at five wins: the Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals, both at five and four, are the eight and nine seed on the bubble. After that, you you drop to a bunch of three two and one win teams yeah and Um, and most of those three three two and one win teams out of the out of like the group that's in there you've got texans with one win steelers raiders with two wins jaguars broncos browns colts with three wins the browns are really the only one out of that group it pains me to say because I wanted the Jaguar. I wanted the Jaguars to deliver something. But the Browns are really the only team in the group that I would say has the potential to even leap up into that to get leap up out of that tier and potentially into like the playoff conversation.
0: All right, let's do this. <clears throat> this could make for good dialogue. Yes. Pick a team in the NFC right now that you have to make a case to make the playoffs that's not currently in the playoff picture and tell me why. And I'll play devil's advocate. Boy. That's the thing. So you have the Falcons at four and five. You have the Commanders at four and five. Then you have the Rams at three and five. Then you have the Saints, Packers, Cardinals, Bears all at three and six. And I think it's safe to say we're probably out on the Lions and Panthers, but. Um... I would
1: like if I were going to make the case for a team, the easy—I mean, the easiest case in my opinion to make is the Falcons, and that's partly just because of like who they get to play down the stretch. Ooh! And the, having the right. having the division that they have, like literally, like, uh, there's not a team in this eight to fifth to sixteen that like I do feel like.
0: <laughs> they're all, all
1: right, all oh, so bad. I, I so I disagree. I, I, so
0: this is fun. So take your claim. Stick your claim on the Falcons. Why? Why the Falcons? Because they're just because their schedule?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, honestly, like, yes, that's purely what I'm going that, like, basing that off of. It's just like. What is
0: their schedule? Do you got it up?
1: That's what I'm going to pull up right now. Just because I'm going, like, they have their division is garbage. So they go. So they have a bye week this week. Am I right?
0: Yep. Yep, bye, yep.
1: Yep. Bye week this week. Then they no, go. No, they play the Panthers tomorrow oh, night. Sorry. Yes, that's right. Panthers. They go. Panthers. Bears. Commanders. Steelers. Saints. Ravens. <laughs> Cardinals. Buccaneers. That's my case for them is that they get to play the. <laughs> good big... God. Like the Panthers are. I mean, Yeah, the Panthers are just not a good team.
0: They don't play a single team with the winning record the rest of the year as of right now. Uh, the Ravens. Oh sorry, I, I magically erased that one from my brain. That's fine. The Ravens. That's fine
1: because you that's have you having to pick one out of nine. So, it's fair if you missed. <laughs> if you missed one, it's okay because they're the only one. Um like wow. that's literally just my case for it is that their defense is playing well. They can control games with their run game. They like you know, they like they can control the pace of a game. And like, I just see, I think that they're, I think they can beat the Panthers. I think they're better than the Steelers. I think they're better than the saints. And yeah. Like that's my case is literally, they just have a very, very weak schedule the rest of the way. And they're already at four wins. So, but then that, like, that also could put them in a position where now they're winning their division. because the Buccaneers are also only at
0: four wins.
1: That div- wow. I mean, that division's a travesty.
0: Yeah, this is wild. That that schedule is crazy easy.
1: You see, you thought, that All right, you, so, you, I didn't—I didn't think it was going to be that easy. But you thought you're like, oh well, I'll have a case here because it can't
0: be that bad. What well, it is, the case—the case, the case against them is they have Marcus Mariota and Arthur Smith. That's but, the case against them like, I mean, but
1: can't, them being four and five with Mariota isn't that in a way a case for Arthur Smith? I mean they're they're one they're, yeah. one, they're one defensive lineman forgetting how to carry a football away from having a winning record like they are yeah, they're, they're literally like a man just forget dropping the baby uncontested. Away from beating the they, Chargers last week after they lost the Chargers 20-17 to with the, um, you know, it looked like the Chargers were driving down at the end. Austin Eckler fumbled the football. Atlanta Falcons pick it up. Defensive lineman races around the edge. There's a guy, there's no one behind him. There's a guy like three yards in front of him about to contest him and he just drops the football. Chargers recovered uh, Justin Herbert.
0: Drops what up. happened to falling on the ball? By the way, just fall on the ball. You're a defensive lineman. Don't be a hero. Because man, the the, the got <sighs> it.
1: It's the thick six. It's the lore. Like you, the thick you're, six. You're Get se- out of you're here. You're celebrated for an entire week when you convert one of those. Like if you like the glory of putting your team in field position to beat the Chargers. Yeah. But like, they're, like they're oh they almost like isn't that the isn't that a I I know that we've questioned Arthur Smith, but. Is there a point where we say like he at least, like he, made, he may not know how to fully game plan for the for the offensive weapons that he has but he still knows how to win games or at least knows how to yeah. get his team to win games.
0: All right, I'm going to make my case for my team. Okay. I'm going with the Rams. And I I have basically dismissed the Rams from this point on. Yep. But they're three and five, and they still, despite everything I hate about the Rams, including their head coach, I think he's a boob. Um, but despite all that, they still have the best offensive player in the game in Cooper Cup and the best defensive player in the game in Aaron Donald. If anybody can write the ship, it's got to be a team with that kind of talent has to be now listen i I think it's like maybe a long shot for for all these teams we're talking about right now. I think top to bottom, the 49ers have a significantly better roster than both the Falcons and the Rams. So do I think either one of these teams actually pulls it off and creeps in? Probably not. But if I had to stake a team, I would say the Rams because of the talent. Well, they also have Jalen Ramsey and multiple talented pieces, Bobby Wagner. Um, they have good good safety play. I just think that talent wins in the NFL, and they have a lot of talent despite you know how crappy they've started. Their schedule is easy and it's also hard so this week they get the Cardinals then they get the Saints but then they have to play the Chiefs that's probably a loss but then they you know this they get the Seahawks twice which the Seahawks are pretty good I those are tough games but they still get the Raiders the Packers the Broncos so they have like four-ish five-ish easy games left and then a couple a handful of hard ones but if they just win win the ones they're supposed to Steve they should be in the mix right? they win those five easy ones and then pull off maybe one of the, the home game against the Seahawks that, that puts them at uh, nine wins in the season. They'll be in the mix at the end. If they pull off nine wins.
1: Yes, they will. Not honestly, nine wins probably puts a team in the seventh spot this year. If I had to guess.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, do I, I definitely don't want them to do this because I want the Lions second, first round pick to be as high as possible, but I think if there's a team in the NFC not currently in, I'm going with the Rams just purely based on talent. Also, I think Stafford is a better QB than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Stafford is a better QB than Marcus Mariota. Um so I, I'm just I'm siding with talent here. But okay. Yeah, what do you what do you think of the Rams?
1: Um I don't think I like they were one of the teams that I was like absolutely not. <laughs> because of course uh, let me add I'm going to give you I'm going to give you stats for two players and you tell me which player you'd rather have as your quarterback oh. all right okay one is through seven games one is through eight games the first okay. one, the first one is through eight games 68 percent completion percentage 1900 yards Eight touchdowns, eight interceptions, an A dot of six point one, wild throw rate of four point two percent, turnover worthy rate of four point nine percent. That's player one. Okay. Player two through seven games, sixty-eight percent completion percentage, two thousand yards, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, five point eight a dot, point seven percent wild wild throw. Uh, 3.4 percent turnover-worthy throw.
0: What was the wild throw on that one? Point 0.7. 0.7? Point yes. Point seven? Yes. And he's played seven games. You said? Yes. Okay, so the first one's Matt Stafford. Yep. The second one, seven. Who's played seven
1: games? Point seven? Yeah. Point Wait, five. are you
0: sure? Point seven on wild throw rate.
1: I mean, unless our unless our data that we produce is horrifically wrong, which I can stand by the wow the wow the wow rate and turnover worthy rate because we're like you're the one that goes through and verifies those like explicitly. 07 percent.
0: Only thing, only one I can think of is Matt Ryan, but
1: yeah, but aren't those stats uh, eerily similar for two players? other than the wild wow throw rate well wow, well wow, um
0: yeah but, other they are the wow
1: throw rate like pretty similar one man is expected to lead their team to the playoffs the other just got benched for a sixth round rookie now granted there are, so we talked about the circumstances in Indianapolis but still he got hurt but he got benched for the rest of the year odd that like that I Matthew Stafford is having a not, My- a not great year Van, the only the only reason i have any belief whatsoever that la can make it cuz i don't really think i think that offense is so sluggish they have no run game they have they've up until this point had no deep passing game they've had one truly reliable or one two truly reliable receivers their defense can their defense can hold all day but like that offense is just so one dimensional and it's it lost the spark of the deep throw that it had last year to where now like drives are just so sluggish like they could, they have no pop. There's so, like it's so easy to, no urgency either. Yeah, it's just so easy for them to falter on a drive because they're not picking up chunk yardages. They're just kind of pick. They're just picking away at it, six seven yards at a time. Like that that's great and like cool long drives that kill clock, but. It also leaves you susceptible to you can get two first downs, but you're still punting. Like the only reason I think they might have a chance is that Van Jefferson is back and he's starting to ramp up into more snaps. And he at least offers that team a little bit of speed that they haven't had at all this year. And I'm hoping that maybe he can open up the offense just a hair. All
0: right. I got two bone, p- bones to pick with you. One, I'm going to be super petty and, and produce provide a minor correction to what you said. Okay, go. You said a sixth-round rookie, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger's not a rookie. Oh, he's
1: not a rookie. That's right. Six-round draft pick,
0: though. Yeah. So I'm, I'm petty. Yeah, yeah,
1: not a rookie. You're right. He's
0: second year. Right. Yeah, He. so Matt Ryan got benched for a, a vet who could be a stud. You don't know.
1: <laughs> a vet. He did not <laughs> throw, <he hadn't laughs> throw an NFL pass before this year, I
0: don't think. <laughs> Just I told a, you I was being petty. Oh, you're right, though. told you you're, I was being petty. You're right. He's not a, right. You're, not, you're right, you're right, you're right. Secondly, um, Matt Ryan, you produced a lot of raw stats for me. Matt Ryan, yeah, he's got comparable stats to Stafford, but he's also dropped back to throw way more times per game. I think he yeah. actually has more attempts than Stafford, Than and Stafford's played one less game or one more game I mean sorry.
1: Yes, he has he has 12 so. more attempts in one less game.
0: Okay, All so right. that that turns out to probably 7ish more attempts a game, so you would expect better numbers perhaps. I know,
1: but perhaps. but that's, you know, yeah. I know that I know that we are data guys and we look beyond that. Yeah. But not everybody does that. A lot of people do look at just raw stats and
0: Yeah. I I think you're right though. I the Rams are going to have a tough time um
1: i just it's the, like i believe in their de- like you said i believe in their defense as well i think they have a ton of talent on that side of the ball and you know they play like we've talked about this at a little bit ad nauseum too but just how they play such a soft zone terrible still like aaron donald's a, a still a game wrecker and their defense you know does hold up it's just the problem <clears> is, <throat> is that their defense is on the field a lot and i just I just don't trust. I just don't trust their offense. I think that Matthew Stafford has looked weary at times this year and is just – it hasn't – and who knows if that elbow is – what's going on with that. But just like he just hasn't looked as good this year. Yeah. Which, you know, he he was starting to kind of show signs of it like in the latter part of last season – Like he exploded early in the year, but then kind of faded a little bit at the end, where his defense started picking him up and having Cooper Cup as a safety valve, and he was making a ton of plays. But now and now you're starting to see like teams are focusing on Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup isn't you know getting hit on a lot of those like 17, 18 yard like the depth of target throws because he's running because he has to be used as like the check down, the reliable first read. Because they don't yeah. have anyone else to scheme a pass game around. Like they've, I mean, Allen Robinson is, you know, at this point, he is what he is. <laughs> it's not. It's just not happening for whatever reason, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it is. But the offense, their again, run game is completely non-existent, and their offensive line is giving Matthew Stafford zero help. And that's again, and that's yeah. another the, one of the big things is that. Stafford just doesn't have the time to, to throw, and he's just getting beat. He's just getting beat up, and this it feels like a, like it feels like the Stafford years from um, during the Patricia era in Detroit, where True. he was just getting beat up so much that like eventually, with how long he's played, with how many hits he's taken, he's like it. It feels like we're one or two games away from starting to see maybe some like tic tac injuries pop up with him.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, I my favorite thing about Matthew Stafford is the meltdowns are so predictable. Like you'd be watching a game, you're just like, oh, there's a there's an impending Stafford meltdown right now. Like here comes here comes the pick six. And yeah, pick six or just untimely three and out. Right. You know, like defense makes a stand, got to get points, and he'd literally like three balls into the dirt, punt. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. It's just, it's so predictable when it happens, but all right, let's move on. We have a short amount of time to wrap this up and we haven't talked AFC. Yep. So let's do the same thing. Pick a team that's not currently in the playoffs and there's some, probably some better options here. Actually, there is there, better options yeah, here. Definitely is. Um, that you think could squeeze in. Uh, you go ahead and start first. How about that?
1: Okay um well, it's right off the bat. there's probably three right three I mean, yeah, that you would agree with i mean can we just we can can we just can talk new about briefly because sure like, yeah there's like there's three teams that are the other ones are not really in play so you would
0: say new england cincinnati and cleveland yes would be the three would be the cleveland three. strictly because they have deshaun watson coming back week 13 and they've been competitive in just about every game so far they're three and five if they could squeak out a couple more wins before Watson gets back that puts him in position to go on a run. Yeah. It's still unlikely. Yeah. Because I'm still not.
1: Watson comes back week 13. Is it against Houston? Is yeah. That, is that week 13 that it is? Cause he was yep. suspended 12 games. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah. And they purposely made
0: it against Houston because yeah. the NFL is <laughs> not rigged at all. Yes.
1: It's all scripted. Um, <laughs> but you know, so they've got four games or three games before then. And like Jacoby Brissett has played well this year. Like he's had some clunkers, but for the majority of his games he's managed well enough. Cause that's what he is. He's, he's a game yeah. manager in the non-derogatory way, but also still mildly derogatory. Like he can make almost any throw. He commands the offense. Nick Chubb is great. Their run game is great. And that's what they lean on. And I mean, like, with, De- with Deshaun Watson coming back and a secondary that like does have a lot of talent and a defensive line that does have a lot of talent. And you've seen sparks and splashes of plays happening. It just hasn't been put together yet. And that like, if they, if they get Deshaun Watson back and this defense can figure some things out, miles Garrett is healthy. Like this was, I mean, cause this was a team that, you know, barring or without Deshaun Watson or with Deshaun Watson was supposed to be a contender. Like this was built to be a contending team. And so like, I think that they have a, like, they are, you know, the the long, they would probably be the longest odds because they are three and five. So they're two games back as opposed to being a half game back like Cincinnati and new England. But um, I just, I think that they're just a talented team that, has the, has the potential to turn it around because of their defense. And then, you know, with getting Deshaun Watson, if he, I mean, which there's no guarantee with that either. Cause he hasn't played football in almost two years. Or at least he played in one game against the Jag, against the Jaguars in the preseason and looked miserable. Um, yeah. Like that's the case for him is that the talent and the pieces are there and they're getting an upgrade at the most important position Halfway through, halfway through, the rest of the season.
0: Yep, agreed. I don't think I have anything to add. Um,
1: the case against them is it just keeps going the same way it has with the defense, and Deshaun Watson comes back, is rusty, takes him three games to get settled in. All of a sudden, it's week six or week seventeen, week sixteen, and they're out of it anyway. That's the. I
0: mean, that's the, the, case, game. the case against them is they need to beat. The Dolphin, two of the three, they probably need to win th- two of their three next games. It's the Dolphins, Bills, and Buccaneers. Yes, Dolphins is a winnable game. Um, it's a Jacoby Brissett revenge tour game. Uh, yeah, the Buccaneers is definitely winnable. The Bills is might even be winnable now with Josh Allen kind of being uh, lame at the moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that is the case against them. Is they they got to get two more wins before Watson comes back to make this. Uh, uh, an actual threat. Yeah, gotta get to Otherwise, the it's gonna be a next year thing. Yeah. So, all right, Bengals, go. I'll, I'll start with the Bengals. How about this? Yeah, so, Bengals, because I, I, mean, I don't
1: know where to start with the Bengals.
0: So, the Bengals are, they, they look like the classic, you know, Super Bowl hangover team for a while. Yep. But they seem to have shaken off the cobwebs a little bit. Yep they've kind of pulled out even with, um, you know, Jamar chase being on the shelf. Uh, let's see. They've won. They've won three of their last four. Yeah, Their, their last losses against the Browns week eight, I believe. Which for um, some reason but,
1: Joe Burrow can't beat the Browns. So that's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, and the nice thing for the Bengals is one of the teams they have left to play is the Browns. And that's one of these teams they'll be competing with. Um, but they don't have, I wouldn't say they have an easy schedule, but it's not a hard one either. Coming up, they've got the Steelers, they get the Titans, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bucks, the Patriots, the Bills, the Ravens. That's really tough down the stretch. That's the case against them is they, they finished the season, Buccaneers, Patriots, Bills, Ravens, who could all be playoff teams. Yeah. So, so they also have the Titans in there and the Chiefs. So that that's really the case against them is is the schedule is tough. They're still without Jamar Chase for a couple weeks at least. I think I like the that, most optimistic timeline was week eleven.
1: That's the other that's the other case against them, is that remove the remove the Carolina game because the five touchdown Joe Mixon game not gonna happen every week. <laughs> just not gonna happen. Um and Carolina's defense is just okay. Their offense played terrible. They like they went three and out, like, they went three and out what felt like almost every drive, so Cincinnati had ample opportunities to put the ball in the end zone, but um, I just, like, when they played the Browns without Jamar Chase, that offense looked really, really sluggish. It looked like they lost a lot of their steam without Jamar Chase, and so that's my other case against them, is that when they, they have a bye week this week, um but just going forward as they play teams that are better than the Panthers can like how, how does the offense look without Jamar Chase and can they can they score enough i mean really can they just score enough points because their defense has played really well this year yeah their defense is like their defense is top 5 in passer rating allowed against them they have really between their secondary just playing really well and Trey Hendrickson getting pressure and like their defense is playing very well, very well yep. as a unit. There's no, which is what we said about Cincinnati coming into the year is that it was going to be a team that just needs to play or a defense that just needs to play well. Cause they don't have any stars necessarily. They just have a lot of solid NFL players and it started out a little bit rough, but it's really rounded into form like after probably the first three weeks where now their defense is very, very staunch and plays well and gives, and is going to give their offense a chance to, you know, if, the, if, they, if they can put up 24 points a game, 21, 24 points a game, they have a really good chance to, yeah, to be competitive. It's just that I, I do worry about their offense without Jamar chase, because when we saw it against Cleveland, it looked
0: Cleveland's, Cleveland's defense is, is underperformed though. I still think it's a really good unit. Agreed. So well, I'm not I'm not surprised leaving. that Cleveland shut them down. Um, I will say this: the goal for them has to be. I so I think they can beat the Steelers and the Titans without Chase. I think they have enough gas to do it. Yes. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, week thirteen has got to be the realistic target to get Chase back on the field. If they get Chase back on the field for that game, that changes the math a little bit. Assuming they beat the Steelers and the Titans. Yeah. Cause the- uh, but that's, that's gotta be the goal. Cause the, it gets tough from there. They need him back for the, that game. And then the Browns the week after that, but if they can string together some wins here, they've got a chance to go on a little streak, you know, I,
1: yeah. Which, you know, Tennessee having a winning record there, but Tennessee also has struggled against the past this year. So like, yeah, that gives um, kind of gives them a chance to yep. win that game cuz you know even though they won't have Jamar Chase Tennessee op- opposite them has not look- looked very good against the pass this year.
0: Yep. And um
1: last one is the Patriots.
0: Yeah. And I don't I don't really think they have a chance to be honest. They have a good record and a good head coach. They have a pretty good defense, but I just don't see the offense having enough gas. I could talk to do about, it. I
1: could talk about the Patriots defense forever. I love their defense right. so much. It's so much fun. They have so many good players and guys that just like always step up. It's just it's so much fun to watch. Their offense t- is I like I just don't believe in what their offense is doing and like Mac Jones has looked lost ever since he's come back. And so like that's really the case against them is that I don't think Mac Jones can lead them to the playoffs.
0: Yep. Um, six of the remaining games are against teams with winning records as well, oh, brutal. some of which are, I would say are have been pretty dominant this year, yeah. including obviously the Bills twice. They get the Bills twice. They also have to play the, the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, the crazy thing about the Patriots, though, is they kind of control their own destiny because they have so many division games left. What is that? They have four bills twice dolphins jets yeah four division games left if they won all four of those games they'd probably be in first place correct
1: yeah probably
0: i guess not technically well, it would, speaking but...
1: it would come down to like overall record but their division record would give them any sort of yeah tie-breaker. any
0: tiebreaker yeah so yeah they in a way they control their own destiny but i, I think the sledding is tough they also have the vikings in there who are Jeez. seven six and one so-
1: row of finishing the season yeah goodness good luck good luck it'll be fun because i think like belichick and that like i said i love that defense i think that they have so many guys that can be utilized so many different ways it'll be fun to watch belichick scheme against a lot of these like more explosive offenses
0: yep um but yeah i i kind of think that uh of those three teams we talked about, the the Bengals are probably their realistic one to get back in the playoff mix, and yeah, that would be to leap leapfrog the Chargers. I still think the Chargers fall off at some point, although they keep winning injuries games. Are, yeah, so. injuries
1: are stacking up, but ten years of one win regression is starting to go their way a little bit. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: Or one sorry one score game regression.
0: Yep. Um. Let's see. Anything else, Steve? I know. I have a heart out here in a few minutes, but I was gonna say. Any final thoughts?
1: No, I think we covered it all. I think we should. Get we're more- getting more efficient. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. We definitely are. We're
0: maybe maybe we're cutting out some of the the unnecessary fluff talk and it's, dialogue.
1: It's, the, it's like the five to ten minutes at the end of each segment that we're starting to weed out. I think.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good way. So yeah, if you do like three or four topics in a day, that cuts out. 20 to 40 minutes of podcasting. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty substantial. It
1: adds
0: up quick. Um, and you know what Steve, we didn't even get to TV roundup. I wanted to have another TV discussion. We'll do this maybe on Friday. Oh, that's a good so one. Like because... with, with Lord of the Rings being done right. and coming to a close oh, I uh, didn't even... game of Thrones. I didn't even
1: watch that. Yeah, actually
0: that's a good... I need to do that. Uh, Andors phenomenal. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it till tonight when my wife gets home to watch it. So, cause <laughs> it, cause it came out today. So, uh but man yeah that, it's a lot of good TV stuff to talk about so yeah, we got we got to hit that. A
1: lot of good so. stuff. It's just it's right, man. it's mid season we're reaching just like peak count. there's just yeah. so much stuff to talk about.
0: There is there is. And at the same time there's not. <laughs> Cuz it's it's, true. it's been a weird year but no. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get back with you guys on Friday for Guest Friday. Not sure who the guests will be yet. Got a couple irons in the fire. We will get someone on. Um, but yeah, until then, you guys take care. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I am your host, by Whitefield. This is my co-host, Stephen O'Rourke, and we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at fantasypoints.com.